What's poppin'? You're in the lab hosted by me, Dave Turris. In the Lab is brought to you by Urban Lab Wireless Consulting. Up your wireless game and evolve your playbook. My guest in the lab today has over 22 years of experience in the sales field and is a training expert and leading motivational speaker in the areas of leadership, vision, time mastery, coaching, and business development. He's on the Forbes Coaching Council and is John Maxwell certified. Please welcome the CEO of Fair Consulting Group, Sean Fair. Welcome to the lab, big dog. Hey, man. How's it going? Man, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for inviting me on the show. You're very welcome. First and foremost, Sean, I have to ask you, how's your jump shot doing? It's, it's plush, it's like, like, it's, like it's always been. What are you talking about? It's plush. Okay. I, nice. still, I, still, I still play like I'm 30 years old, man. There you go. Oh, wow. Here we go. Well, it's great to have you in the lab. Let's just jump into it. In the lab today, we will cover a few topics that Sean is an expert in. Leadership coaching, time mastery, and vision building. This is going to be a little taste. But if you want to see Sean live in June, he is headlining the Florida Leadership Tour June 11th through the 14th in various cities. For tickets and more information, visit his website at www.fairconsultinggroup.com. First topic, leadership and coaching. Straight from your playbook, Sean, the practice of leadership is more than simply applying a set of principles. It's realizing that a leader is responsible for the limitations of his or her employees. Now, from a high level, Sean, what do you mean by this, by this practice? I mean, listen, at the end of the day, Dave, I think everybody has a moral responsibility to, you know, to work with their people. And let me just, let me just start from the very beginning, right? Because that's, it's a lot, that's a lot of information yes, sir. Um, yes, sir. to break down. But first and foremost, that anyone that's leading people, there's, there's, there's something that's really important. Uh, number one, they have to like people, right? And, and. When I say like people from a business perspective, that means that you need to like managing people, you need to like um, working with people, you need to like coaching people, you need to like developing people, um, you need to like diagnosing people, you need to like counseling people, like you need to like all these different things. Because when you made the determination or the decision to become a manager, um, or you're overseeing people within the organization, mm -hmm. you made a conscious decision to be a part of the people business. And once you've made that decision, um, that means that um, you have a responsibility to coach and to develop because people that are underneath us, including ourselves, we have something called untapped potential. And leaders have an obligation to develop the potential of the people that, that work for them. Absolutely. Well, and, and that's getting to what you talk about and, and how you uh, develop your classes and curriculum uh, when you're developing and, and teaching your your students who'd like to say, or who your, your audience is, how do you, how, how does one do that? How does one tap into um, that unknown? Well, what I like to do in, in any presentation is I don't like to tell people, you know, this is what you should do and this is what you're doing wrong. And, and this is the thing that you need to change. What I like to do when I present or I'm developing materials, I develop it in a way so that people, when they listen, they come to the realization of what it is they need to change. Uh, because if people feel as though they're doing the right thing, and I feel as though they're doing the wrong thing, what you get is two people kind of clashing heads. Right. But if I'm delivering a presentation and I'm asking questions throughout the presentation, what happens is they start to come to the realization that the way that they're doing things is incorrect, and therefore um, they want to make a change. So it's self-realization and self-discovery. 
Absolutely. It's more powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what makes a manager slash coach a great coach and great manager? Well, well, first of all, uh, a manager has to have all the right attributes, right? They have to demonstrate the right characteristics, such as, you know, leading by example. Um, they have to be trustworthy. They have to they have to demonstrate mutual respect. They have to have experience in doing their job, and they have to be experienced at working with people, and they have to praise people for going above and beyond. Those are the five critical attributes of a leader. And typically, if you're demonstrating those characteristics, then you're demonstrating to the people that are following you how to be a leader. And every person in every position in every organization should be a leader within their position. Mm, so true. When, when did you fully understand and master this concept? Well, man, it's been a, it's been an ongoing process, right? Yeah. I don't think you ever master leadership. You can be considered an expert, but um, you never get to the point of understanding all that you need to know of leadership. But in every company that I've worked for, there's always been a mentor or someone that was above me mm -hmm. that it taught me certain things and every leader needs a mentor every leader needs a, a a coach right that that helps you understand the value of developing people you know there there are many managers out there that have the concept of um, I want to be the best and I get all the credit for everything that happens in the organization um, where for me I've learned through my from, through my coaches is that it's about the people and if you're developing great people, then you start to see the fruits of their labor, and therefore, um, they find value in you. And so, I, I learned that from a very, from yeah. a very early, from a very early stage in, in business. Absolutely, you know, um, leadership, like you just said, is a skill mastered over time. Uh, with all the young managers and leaders listening today um, on this podcast here, that really do, they don't have the experience yet to be a great coach. What is your advice to them? Well, you have to study. You have to study. And you have to practice. Mm -hmm. It's just like it's just like anything else. When you have when you have athletes, whether it's in basketball or football, they they practice what they do. But if you want to be a great manager, there's a difference between a manager and a managerial professional. So uh, speak on. You have to. You listen. You have to. The, the best thing that you can possibly do is to take ten or fifteen minutes every day. And, and learn from someone who's kind of paved the way, like, you know, people like John Maxwell, people like, you know, Grant Cardone, people like Les Brown, and listen to what they have to say and, and then instill some of those best practices mm. in you and, and then apply them to your daily lives. And then once you apply it and they become a part of you, then it allows you to, to teach other people. Sometimes you can teach people just by what you do versus what you say. Right. As a matter of fact, that's what most people learn anyway. Absolutely. It really doesn't, you know, you and I were talking about millennials earlier, uh, earlier today, and, and that's a great, um, you know, concept for them to understand. <laughs> do as I do, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Well, hey, that, I, I love that topic, but we're going to go to our next topic. Time mastery. Again, Sean, from your playbook, time cannot be fully managed, but leadership and mastery of oneself is a path to mastering time. How important is time management when it comes to leadership? It's, it's critical because if you don't have enough time, how can you coach people? How can you train people? How can you develop people? Right. So, yeah. so every year, uh, they have to have the right mindset. And and some of the things that, um, that's important, the, the right mindsets are, are things such as this. Like, and you've heard of these things before, Dave, I'm pretty sure, is that um, time can be your enemy or your friend. Mm -hmm. 
you know, listen, we determine how time, whether time works for us or it works against us. Um, or for example, time is money. Now I always ask the question, if you had to pay for every hour that you needed to complete a task, would it change the way you operated on a daily basis? Oh, that's a good one. Right? Or if you think about the Latin terminology, uh, tempus fugit, which means time flies. If you know that time is always moving and you can't stop it, there's no reason for anyone to just be sitting still doing absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah. Or you may, you may have heard something like this. Um, time is a non-spatial continuum in which events occur in apparently irreversible succession from the past to the present to the future. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that means. That was in Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you know, listen, yeah. the question always becomes and remains is what is time? Right. It's listen, you can't see it, smell it, touch it or feel it. But yet it controls and it dominates every aspect of our lives. But most people and most managers, they have very little respect for it. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is because they have people in their lives that um, they have some of these characteristics, uh, lack of dedication, lack of knowledge, lack of commitment, um, social media junkies. I mean, you have all these different yeah. aspects that, that cause you not to have respect for time. It pulls you away from the now. You know, with our with our managers that are listening to this and our, our senior leadership team that listen to the, the podcast, what are some ways to master time or to uh, have time on your side? You know, as far as like delegation, communication, having a routine, you know, some of the basic fundamentals of being a leader. But what are some other attributes you should have uh, for time to, to master time? Well, well, first, you have to you have to plan your week, right? You know, listen, it's at the end of the day, you want to spend more time with your people. There's no way that you can do that unless you are intentional and mm -hmm. in, in planning to spend time with your people. Because in most cases, you are at work and you're focused in on the functionality of your job. Right. You're not focused in on working with people. So you need to plan your week. Typically on the weekends, you should go through every single day and list all of the things that you need to get done. And a part of that is inserting your life into your people's lives. Mm -hmm. Once you create those lists, right, you need to uh, label them by primary priorities, secondary priorities, things that are urgent that you don't want to do, right, and things that you would like to do, but if you don't get around to them, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. And you will find that if, if people actually did that, um, you, you'll see that most people work on their secondary priorities and the things that they want to do before they work on their primary priorities. Why do you think that and, is? Right, because it's easy. Typically, because they're easier to do. Yeah. Right, and then but the problem is, is that when you operate that way, see, then life gets in the way, yeah. or then our bosses they inject their lives into our lives unexpectedly, and then we get behind schedule. Right, yeah. and so now the people get neglected because of our poor planning. And that results in uh, procrastination later on down the road when you have a, a big assignment due, whether it's in school, if you're in school or if you're in the workforce. Um, it's a, a vicious cycle <laughs> mastering this time. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you had mentioned delegation uh, earlier. Yeah. Uh, delegation yeah. is a great tool, but it, it's not just a time saver for the sake of, you know, I want to get rid of some stuff and give it to my people. Um, delegation is a tool to create opportunities for people to go above and beyond the oh, call of duty that. so that the manager can praise the employee and it allows them to actually manage their people because most people when they delegate they think you know what I'm gonna hand this off mm -hmm. and then I'm not part of the process right right when in actuality when you delegate 
you are still a part of the process because it's your job to ensure that they're successful at completing that task. Mm -hmm. so, that so you're winning. But you know, what about multitasking? Um, I've heard a lot of different uh, theories on multitasking, how it is helpful and how it's not helpful. In terms of mastering time, is multitasking, um, is that beneficial or does that kind of water down uh, your focus? Uh, multitasking, what's multitasking? There's no such thing as multitasking. <laughs> listen, you're right. Hey, listen. You're either doing this or, or that, you're doing this, right? And so what's happening is you're typically you're bouncing back between two or three or four different tasks. So there's no focus on one one thing at one time, which means that the quality of work is probably not that great. Yeah. And then you're spending more time than you actually would spend if you just focused in on one thing at one time. Right. So that I don't, I don't really believe in multitasking. You you, you can, Dave, do you remember? Um, the uh, Barnum and Bailey Circus way back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. You, you remember back in those days, they had the, uh, the chair with the four points that they used that to tame the, to tame the lions. Well, the, the reason that they used the chair with the four points is because the four points, they confused the lions and it kept them at bay. Well, when we're going back and forth between three and four different tasks, we tend to get somewhat confused as well. And it's the very reason why the, the quality of work suffers when people are bouncing back and forth between tasks. Oh, it's so good. Is, is that in your, um, in your presentation? Because it should be. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. There's, there's a lot of stuff in there, Dave. Nice. I can't wait. Out. That's awesome. Um, you know, the phrase working smarter, not harder is loosely thrown around these days. And it, it kind of just drives me a little crazy. But... Um, how do the how do these managers typically in in the wireless industry how do how can they work smarter as opposed to harder? Well, I always say that it, it goes back to what we we talked about in the time management piece is that one you have to plan, mm -hmm. um, two you have to prioritize, and and three you have to duplicate yourself. And if, if you're able to duplicate yourself, that means that, that people are able to do more. Um, they're able to see it much further. Mm. They have more foresight. And having foresight is a way to, to save a lot of time. Because if you know, if I do this, I know that ABC is going to occur. And based on that, here's what I need to do. Here's what I need to have in place. Without having foresight and things just pop up, all of a sudden you're addressing issues that you didn't think about. And now... You're not working smarter. Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're in reactive mode all the time. So the, the planning, the prioritizing, having foresight is, is really important. And doing things right the first time is also critical um, to, that, to that component as well. I, I agree. I agree. You know, again, time mastery, we're just doing a, a high level view of that. Um, so let's move on to our last topic today is vision building. Again, Sean, from your, your playbook. Formulating an inspirational yet credible vision for your team is an essential leadership skill. You make it sound so easy, but how do you build a vision for your team? What's that? How, how do you build a vision for your team? You make this sound so easy. Well, you have to ask all the right questions, right? It's a, you know, listen, if a, for a team not to have a vision or for an organization not to have a vision, mm -hmm. uh, they're doing all of the people within the organization a disservice. And, and the reason being, it means that the employees are not committed to anything but a paycheck, mm. right? And if they're committed to just a paycheck, they're going to give you the least amount of their time, energy, and effort. 
And not only that, vision is it creates focus in your employees. And if you know that your employees, they experience life on a daily basis, we experience life on a daily basis. For, for us to know that and not to give them something that allows them to have extreme focus, we are doing them you know, a great disservice. And so I think you know the definition, right? A vision is a realistic and attractive snapshot of the future. That's what it is, mm-hmm. right? Something in it for the people. And it's a vision has um, great values and ideals that people are attached to. Right. And that's Well, and you mentioned, you know, getting to, to know them and, and what that stands for. As a manager, a young manager and coach out in, in the industry, how do you get buy-in from your team members? Like you said, there, there's a lot of different things thrown on out there. Uh, going on out there and whether it's within the company or within a quote-unquote team or a kiosk or a a brick and mortar store how do you get your team to buy in to what your vision is is it a shared vision well yeah well because your vision is their vision Mm -hmm. if creating a vision is just for you um, you miss the boat because no matter what it is that you're trying to accomplish with your team or in life you cannot achieve your vision by yourself right there's got to be people that is in that's that you need in order to achieve whatever it is that you have. The only way that you can create a great vision where people buy into it is to get them involved in developing the vision. So, so in other words, you need to ask your people, what value do they bring to society? Mm-hmm. What value does the organization bring to the society? Right? What is uh, our unique position into the marketplace? Like you should be pulling that information from, from your employees. Um, what are the, what are your strengths? The team's strengths. What are the team's weaknesses? Like all these things, all this information is is critical in building a vision. Because at the end of the day, you know, people always ask the question, "Well, Sean, why do we need to know the weaknesses, and why would they be in the vision statement?" Right. Um, it'll be in the vision statement because it's going to say something like this: um, We're going to excel in the areas of you know, right? and it's going to be those weaknesses. Dot, dot, so that yeah. when they read it, they understand if they're weak in that area. Right. They have to put forth some effort to develop, because if we excel in those areas, then the company will experience A, B, C, D and E, which will then allow us to do C, D, E, F and right. G. If that makes any if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, when you're when you're talking about vision building, um, you have long term vision and short term vision. What is what is a short term vision uh, buy in look like? Uh, and, and let's talk about let's bring this like to the wireless community for sales. Um, right. Is it sales for the day? Is it for the week? Is it a 30, 60, 90? What kind of vision boards or, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with vision boards or how fun those are, but they're a blast. I did one the other day. It was fantastic. But how do you do a short-term vision in, in the wireless industry? Well, you know what? Let me let me put it in the terms of, um, let me use football as an analogy really quick. And I, I, I don't, I wouldn't call them short-term visions. I, I would call them, call them goals. So, so let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Um, the football team out there where you're at is the Dallas Cowboys, right? No, I'm actually in California you're in now. So you're in California. We got the Rams and Chargers. Rams and Chargers. Right. So at the beginning of the year, the, the Rams or the Chargers, they, if they have a pretty good team, their vision is typically to do what? Get to the Super Bowl. It's to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. And so um, in order to win the Super Bowl, they understand that there's a certain number of games that they have to win in order to get to the playoffs. Right. In some cases, maybe it's nine, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 11, depending on the division. Mm-hmm. Well, those are your goals. OK. And underneath those goals, in order to win those t- nine, 10 or 11 games, 
there has to be some objectives in place. In other words, um, the the 10 mile runs uphill every other day during the off season, right? It's the six weeks in the classroom learning all of the plays. Mm-hmm. You know, after on the plays, they go out into the field and they execute those plays over and over and over again. It's all of the weightlifting that they do, right? So the objectives are all the things that are necessary um, that the players need to do or the team needs to do in order to win the games. And in most cases, it's a lot of things. The objectives are a lot of things that people they don't want to do. Ooh, I love and then that. underneath the objective, there has to be a mission, and the mission is the very thing that drives the players to get up every single morning to do the things that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. So if, if you want to have a real vision, uh, I could tell you that it won't be one if you don't have goals in place and there's not objectives underneath the goals and there is no mission. That means that then the vision becomes a dream. It's a pipe dream without mm-hmm. those things in place. Love, You know, Sean, I, I love that. And I'm going to leave a little bit of mystery uh, to what you're talking about. Um, we are running out of time and it, it has been a pure pleasure talking to you and thank you for being such a positive role model and mentor to so many professionals out in the world, Sean. You're doing a great job. My pleasure and thanks again for bringing me on. You got it. So everyone out there, please book Sean for corporate seminars, leadership trainings, or to be a keynote speaker at your next corporate event. Visit his website at www.fairconsultinggroup.com and you can find him on LinkedIn, Twitter, and all those other platforms. Thank you for listening and make it a great week. In the Lab is a weekly podcast with innovative, energetic leaders within the wireless community who are obsessively curious and passionate about wireless sales and can offer advice on steps to take to evolve and emerge as a consistent leader in the wireless industry. 